This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast brought to you by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. I'm joined today by Andrew Lissis. And did I pronounce it that way? The right you way. did pronounce it correct, and it was on the first try that you got it. Which... <laughs> it was on the first try this time. It was on, yeah. It would be the second time if we if we counted the one we're not uh, including in the show. So, anyway, thank you for being here. Uh, and you have a podcast. So let's first pump the podcast, and then we'll talk about who you are and and why you're here. All right. So pumping the podcast. This is kind of a spoiler alert in my story that I end up getting sober. <laughs> at the end, but uh, I have a podcast that's called Self-Made and Sober, where I interview entrepreneurs who are crushing it in business as well as people who are in long-term recovery. So they kind of hand in hand, and I try to kind of dissect the, the parallels between being successful in recovery from drugs and alcohol, as well as being successful in entrepreneurship, owning businesses, and things like that. So I try to bridge the gap. It's called self-made and sober. Self-made and sober. So I know when I look for things on Stitcher and iTunes, it's always a little bit different, but if people put in self-made and sober podcast, they should find it. Yeah. I have a, like a link tree, L I N K T R dot E E slash self-made sober. We'll have all the links to the iTunes the Stitcher, the da, 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 all those, all those good things right. will be right there. Instagram. Very good. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. All righty. So thank you for that. So now that you've spoiled the, uh, the surprise, uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit about your journey and, uh, and how you got where you are. So you run a, a computer consulting company. Correct. Correct. Um, Rush Tech Support. I started in 2014 in my living room. But the year before that, in 2013, was one of the really, really low points in my life. I had, um, I was coming home from a hockey game and I had a ton to drink that night and I was in a blackout and I came out of my blackout looking in the rear view mirror, seeing that I was being pulled over. That was like where I came to was, oh, okay, it looks like I'm being pulled over. That's That's my truth right now. And then I looked in my passenger seat and I saw I had a, a fifth of fireball whiskey with about half the bottle still filled. And I knew I'd get arrested for DUI, but I thought to myself, if I drink all of this, then I won't get a charge for an open container. So I chugged. <laughs> That's a rational decision. Yeah, it made sense at the time in my drunken stupor. So so I chugged the bottle of fireball at I have the lights in my rear view mirror. I am being pulled over and I'm drinking while literally drinking while driving. And the thing that I hadn't, I had kind of rationalized, it'll take 20 minutes before it hits my body. I know I'm going to fail a field sobriety test. But what I didn't think about was that they're going to give me a breathalyzer and I just ripped up my BAC. So I blew a 0.24. I got a DUI. I met with a lawyer and he was like, he sat me down 
and he looked is he's very very goofy looking person tall lanky he's probably 70 years old bow tie and he just looks at me and he's like all right andrew i'm gonna ask you one question and i need you to tell me it's like dead silent and then he's like do you like magic because i take duis and i make them disappear (laughs) (laughs) he does the little hand maneuver make them disappear all you have to do is put a breathalyzer in your car before you go to court. That way, when we go to court, we show them you're not drinking and driving. However, it was a great idea in theory, except for the problem was I could not stop drinking no matter what. I could not stop drinking. And so putting a breathalyzer in my car would have been great, except for the fact that I still couldn't stop drinking. So I gave myself three more DUIs in my own car by myself and then when I went to court for the first one they saw that I had three more dings and judge said well we could send you to jail or uh, we could send you to rehab and I chose the latter and I was introduced to 12-step recovery and you know to make a super long story short um, I jumped in both feet. I realized I had nothing good going for me in Maryland. So I moved to Florida and I started getting things happening in my life that I wanted to happen, but just didn't, didn't think would ever materialize in my life. I'd always had a passion for it in Maryland. I was working in restaurants then I moved to Florida and someone says, go get a job at this place. And my resume is all it and they're like, oh, we, we have an IT department. We need you in here. And then so I start slow building there. Then a couple people started a startup and they wanted me to run the IT department. I said, okay, sure. That failed, but it put me in the position and I had about one year sober at this time to, they went out of business, but I made an agreement with the owner. And I said, look, I'll keep running the company for you But instead of the customers paying you, they're going to be paying me. And that was the start of Rush Tech Support was me in my living room just answering the phone. And just every time someone called, I'd just say, oh, yeah, I got to just update your billing information real quick. It's called it's called Rush now. It's not it's not rescue. Don't don't worry about it. Still me. So what uh, where do you live in Florida? Uh, West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. Okay. Yeah. And and so is your business uh, mostly local? Um, it's worldwide because we utilize remote support through, we're changing platforms. We've been on log me and rescue for the last uh, four years or six years, but we're, we're switching to uh, ConnectWise as our PSA for manage and using automate since it uh, integrates within it. But, you know, we can, we can service customers literally anywhere in the world. So if we get a phone call, and you're in California, we don't we don't only just target the West Palm Beach market. Obviously, it's a lot easier to target West Palm Beach when we're in West Palm Beach and when we're doing managed services for businesses and you need at least that initial on-site, that's obviously more, more geared towards the B2B MSP side of our business. But for residential, I mean, we can we can literally handle anything and most businesses, to be honest. So uh, how many employees do you have now? Uh, at the moment, we have 15. 
And as much as I, I love the story of it started in my living room year one, it was just me. And I had done 36,000, which was more than I had as a salary prior to starting the company. And uh, a friend of mine, he saw what I was doing and he was actually working for a competitor. And he was like, Andrew, you're doing it all wrong. He was really good at sales. I'm just a tech guy. And I, I've come to find that tech guys and sales, usually they don't mix that well. I, I try to gear myself more in the entrepreneur side of things versus tech. But um, he showed me how to sell. And we started growing really, 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 really fast. So year one, it was just me in my living room, 36,000. Year two, we had 30 employees. We did 1.75 million and we grew and scaled at one point. We had almost 50 employees, but you know, just the, the reality of most of the time in social media, I feel like you always get the highlight reel, right? But I mean, the reality is we, we stopped growing and pushing ourselves to do more and more and took our, took our foot off the gas. And right now though, I mean, we're profitable and happy, 15 employees, a couple thousand customers. And it's, it's been humbling to go from where we were to where we are. But at the same time, it kind of cleared away. I could, I could dress it up like the pumpkin, pumpkin plan or, you know, weeding the garden. Oh, we right. got rid of all those customers we didn't want, you know, the ones that didn't renew. And it was kind of a, a hybrid break fix model. So being reactive, but they had a contract for a year as opposed, as opposed to, um, pre proactive protection. So we've, we've been transitioning and that's just, you know, comes with technology changes and business opportunities and not being afraid to try new things. So what fundamentally, what, what do you sell to most of your clients? Is it cloud services? Yeah. Um, residential, it's mostly people will call us if they have viruses, cryptos, things like that is usually the, the initial response people usually aren't in the market for proactive protection it's usually something terrible happened and now they need it fixed and yeah so cloud services anti antivirus uh, remote tech support have been the bread and butter but again we're moving more towards managed service msp cloud services uh, and business to business yeah absolutely so on the uh the self-made and sober you have put together a podcast so tell us a bit about what what is that podcast and what kind of content do people find there so on the podcast i worked with a business coach and i guess this is coming up on about a year now um and i had told him i didn't really like the people that i had in my circle and i had felt that i was kind of hitting a ceiling and that i wanted to have people who were like-minded, but were really pushing themselves, really trying to grow. And so I was kind of complaining, saying, I wish I had better people in my circle. And he said, well, if there's better circles, why would they want you in their <laughs> circle? Like what leverage do you have? What value do you bring? And so we kind of shifted the conversation from how do I network with these people to here's an opportunity for people who are entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches to get their message out on my platform. And 
I, I've actually made some really cool friends through the podcast and it's, you know, weird, weird how, um, everything comes together, but he had kind of challenged my belief system of, well, everybody should want to want to be with Andrew because he, he's got X years sober and, you know, he built rush tech support. Like everybody should want me in their circle. Right. But we come to realize you know, that's not how the real world works. <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, I belong to a few mastermind groups. And when you try to grow a mastermind group, I mean, you know, you get a, say, a group of 10 people. When you want to add somebody to the group, the norm is you try to get somebody who is more successful than you, right? Knows more than you, has done more than you, is more successful at marketing and whatever. And that way you can always stretch your skills, but it goes to exactly the question you point out, which is why should they want to join my mastermind group when uh, I'm clearly selling less, less successful? (laughs) Why should they reach down and pull me up? Right? So, uh, you know, that's a never ending thing in business, but you know, you got to find people who have something in common that want to work in the same direction. And I think no matter what level you're at, that's how you move forward. Yeah, and initially the idea was it was just business as a whole. I wasn't going to bring in the sobriety aspect to it, but I mean, there are so many podcasts out there that are business as a whole, and I'm well-connected in the recovery community. And so, you know, niching down to maybe the people who I have on the show are the exact like-minded people because I know tons of people just in our area, 30 to hundred employee business owners, and they've got a story to tell and they can use it as a platform being on self-made and sober podcast. And I can provide value to them through that way, sharing it with my audience. And at the same time, you know, kind of, like, I guess people have, it's kind of weird getting messages from people, just strangers. Hey, I like the episode with so-and-so. And it's kind of, it's cool, like being, being a part of that, but I get to provide value for other people and the listeners get to hear the experience, strength and hope of other people and kind of get the, the understanding that you're not alone. Like my life had gone to complete hell and, you know, I turned it around and my story is not unique. I may be in a, you know, in a room of a hundred people, I may be the only person that has that sort of background and story, but worldwide, I mean, my story is nothing compared to half the people that I associate with. It's, right. they're, they're like, you're so lucky. You only got one DUI. You didn't go to jail. You've got it so good. But other people, they're like, you you drank while in a blackout while getting arrested is <laughs> a different sides of the spectrum. <laughs> so what kinds of things do you think that your experience help, helped you with on the business side, right? Like what are the, what are the things that come with sobriety that actually move your business in the right direction? Other than the fact that you make good decisions. Well, well I guess maybe that one's up for, <laughs> up for debate, <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of recovery, 12 step recovery. A lot of it is based on, we set founding 
principles and we live our life in accordance with those principles. So if I've made the decision that I want to be a person who carries himself with honesty and integrity, and then as I go throughout my day, when I'm faced with decision A or decision B, I've pre-made that decision because I have the foundation of, well, I always choose what is in line with honesty and integrity. And at times that may mean that I'll have to take a short-term loss. I may have to dump, dump a client who's being abusive. I may have to turn down something that short-term may be what the animal brain wants, but long-term, if I think it out and I live based on principles, I know that if I keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing the ideas that I want based on principles and not based on what I want in this moment, it's a lot easier to progress forward. So in my business, you know, in the remote IT world, there's a million scams, million, like in West Palm Beach, there are a ton of call centers with pop-up ads and all sorts of other things. And I was very, very, very deliberate to not be that. I wanted it to be ethical because there's money to be made in doing it honestly, as well as doing it like an idiot. (laughs) Like it's, it's not like they're, they're one or the other. It's not like, well, if you, if you're honest, you can't be successful. Like that's not the truth. It may take longer. It's easier to lie and get a giant sale and then have a pissed off customer and hold on to the money. But if, if your principle is guided based on how do I make the most money in the shortest period of time, that's a good way to go. But we set the foundation in honesty and in integrity and having that as the cornerstone, as opposed to how much money can I make in the shortest period of time is what has led us to have customers that have been with us since it was in my living room almost six years ago. They're right. part of the journey. So um, when you so you have kind of like two lives, right? You got the podcast life and then you got the running and IT business life. Um, how much do your IT clients know about your podcast and you know your background? Um, I'm not super vocal about it with our customers. The the only times when when I kind of peel back the layer. Uh, my wife and I just had our firstborn son, uh, Jack, in February. So he's he's eight months. And um, so I, I sent an email to our clients, you know, thank you for being for being part of this journey. Here's a picture of Jack Hamilton, Lasis. He is six pounds. Or I can't remember his weight off the top of my head. But, you know, he's doing ha- – he's happy, healthy. Thank you for – for being customer, but I, I don't hop on MailChimp and say, you know, (laughs) did you know the owner of the company that you've been, (laughs) that you've been doing business with had all of these issues? And it's not that I'm ashamed of it or anything like that. I mean, I'm obviously very vocal about it in my personal life, but I guess I don't necessarily broadcast it on the yeah, I don't, I don't lead with it in the, in the business world. But again, I mean, it's my truth. Like you can probably Google it. I haven't Googled myself in a while, but there's not, there's not a lot that 
I'm trying to hold back, but you're right. It is kind of like two different lives. There's I mean, literally today I'm doing this podcast and then afterwards I'm speaking at a 12 step meeting. So it's like literally here's an IT podcast and then there's recovery meeting right within a couple hours of each other. But well, it's, you know, it's one of these things where I, you know, I've been around this business about 30 years now and uh, I've met lots and lots of people who've had problems either with drugs or alcohol or whatever. And uh, with luck, most of them have straightened themselves out, you know, and, and at some level end up paying for it or being, you know, sort of, I don't know, just aware of it and just in the background for the rest of their lives. But they also overcome, get things back, you know, collect the friends who are left over, <laughs> right, and, uh, and move forward. So I know lots of people who've been down that road. And, you know, I think a lot of them, they will talk to you about it, but only under certain circumstances, right? Um, but, you know, there, there is kind of this sense of that you're alone when really you're surrounded by people who've been through similar things. Yeah, most people know someone, if not themselves, at least in their direct or one degree of separation from somebody who struggles with alcoholism, somebody who struggles with addiction. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a guy living underneath a bridge who everything went to crap. I mean, I was just a guy who was 26 and I would go to work drunk. I would do my whole life drunk. I couldn't stop doing it until I put things in place. And then once, you know, I made the plan and then I followed the plan, it's just like in business. If you make a business plan and you follow it, yes, it's not going to come anywhere near probably what you think it will be. It'll probably cost twice as much and take twice as long, but having something to guide you to come back to your center, that's the whole idea of having the foundations and principles as opposed to basing your decisions off of how you're feeling at the moment. Because we've all been there where, you know, we, we do something and then an hour later we look back like, what was I thinking? I'm so stupid. <laughs> so do your technicians uh, know about uh, this piece of your past? Yeah. And a lot of my technicians are also people in recovery. So it's a, I, I guess like the euphemism, it's a second chance employer. So if, if you've also run your life to the ground, I have empathy for you. So, I mean, as long as you have a good attitude and obviously you need some sort of skill, but a lot of things can be taught in this field. But, you know, just because in your past you've done some something that you no longer are that type of person, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give people a second chance. And there, there have been some people who've worked for me who they – never would have been hired just on paper. They're not the kind of people that most people would want to employ. However, when you know them and you have a shared experience like that, it's, it's a different type of bond where it's kind of like a family where, you know, your, your idiot brother needs a job and it's like, okay, well, you know, you can, you can mop the floors. Like I'll, I'll give you something. It's kind of, it's kind of like that. <laughs> So do you think it has affected the culture of your company in terms of how people treat each other and, and uh, you know, are maybe 
a little a little kinder, maybe a little more forgiving uh, of, of stuff? There's definitely a possibility of that. I think at the same time, you know, when people work together years and years, it stops being, well, we knew each other from recovery outside of work and our relationship is the work part is sort of the cornerstone and the foundation, but it's still guided based on the principles of recovery, which honesty and integrity are huge parts of it. And we bring that to our business as well. So if somebody, you know, just a random example, customer is upset for reason X, Y, and Z, and we drop the ball. Believe it or not, it has happened maybe once in six years. Maybe <laughs> once we made a mistake. It wasn't my fault. Right, right. Yeah. Now, everything's my fault, unfortunately. Even even if even if I had nothing to do with it. I mean, that's that's leadership. It's always my fault and all the wins are everybody else's, but that's that comes with the territory. But you know, if if a customer is upset and even if we've done our job but they're not happy and are asking for a refund, ninety nine times out of a hundred, sure, here it is. We'll go our separate ways. I'm not going to hang on to this because you're going to be upset and you're going to tell everybody how upset you are. And then you'll tarnish our reputation. And I mean, in, especially in the remote it um, industry, because there's so many scams, like it's very important for us. And I've established this very, very early on. If somebody is happy, get them talking, tell their friends, put <laughs> reviews on Google. I mean, we've got probably 500, at least 400 positive reviews. Better Business Bureau, Google, Facebook, um, Trust Pilot. I mean, there's a million different platforms. Um, but it was important that we keep the happy ones happy and weed the garden of the ones that aren't exactly what we wanted. Even if we did the fulfillment to the best of our ability and they were just those pain in the butt customers, it's, look here, keep the money. You got it for free. You win. We'll go our separate ways. Right. So do you have a group of, of core people that you rely on, kind of like a mastermind type group in uh, West Palm Beach? Yeah, actually, um, my buddy Ian and I actually run a mastermind group. It's, it's done uh, remotely over Zoom. And most of the people do happen to be sober and in West Palm Beach just by virtue of, oh, you guys are running a mastermind. I want to be a part of it. So it's people that I've met in networking groups, um, people who are coaches. One of the guys, a handyman who tripled his business last year, which is really cool to be a part of. You know, like seeing other service business owners giving to other people, helping other people. And, you know, I can share my experience. It used to be Andrew that did all the sales and did all the tech work and did all the accounting and did everything. It was all me. But as I learned to grow a business, I mean, I am still the guy who knows his tech stuff. But at the end of the day, I own a business and I need to make sure that my time is spent working on the business, not in the business. Even though I do like the, the techie stuff and okay, we're going to, build and solve this problem for this particular client. I do enjoy doing those things. 
And I believe you had mentioned in uh, Managed Services in a Month, which is a great book, by the way. That's a, Thank you. Thank you had mentioned that, that you did consulting and still, got, still get to do the tech things as you've sold your businesses. And so it's, it's, it hasn't been sold, but it's turnkey. I'm not the one doing the work. I'm guiding, guiding the, uh, like charting the course, but I'm not um, necessarily uh, the captain of the boat. I've just kind of planned out right. where everyone's going with it. And it's interesting to me because I've worked with coaching clients who uh, sometimes are much, much larger businesses, you know, seven, eight million dollar businesses. And the owner isn't completely convinced that it can run without him being there every day. And, you know, it's sort of like, well, you know, that you, what you have is a really, really big, complicated job, right? Not a business, right? And at the end of the day, if you can't leave, uh, then the business is you. It's not the company that will live when you are gone. So that's a, it's a very important lesson to learn. Yeah. Well, it's difficult, especially, most people have grown up in a house of employees. Your first job is where you're an employee. So you have the employee mindset of trading your time for money. And that's the only idea that you've ever known. So the concept of trading your money for time, other people's time, doesn't really make sense because it's like, well, I could take 100% of this $100 job and I could spend all day on it and I make a hundred dollars. I'm not going to give somebody else $80 to do it and only keep 20. I could just as easily spend all day and I'll make the whole 100 and I'm not going to lose $80, but they don't think about the multiplication when you have other people. So that $20, if I get 20 people doing that same job, I still have all the time in the day. And instead of $100, I am now making $400. So I'm making four times as much not doing any of the work and 20 other people now have jobs as a result of the system I put together. But most people don't understand that concept. They just see, here's $100. I want $100. I'll do the job myself. Right. So uh, we're almost out of time, but, and I want to hearken back, you mentioned the weeding client, weeding your client garden. You know, there are people who really believe that they have to trade dollars for hours and that they have to serve those tiny, tiny clients and that, you know, they'll take all the $300 a year clients they can. And the problem is mathematically, there's a limit to what your business can do, period. Like if, if you must trade $1 for every hour, then there's a limit to how many hours you have for sale. Even if you overwork <laughs> and overcharge, there's still a limit to what you can do. So uh, where expanding your business and getting yourself out of the required component. Uh, that's where the juicy goodness is. So, Hey, so plug your podcast one more time. Tell us where we can find that and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. It's called self-made and sober. You can find it on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whole nine yards. If you go to linktr.ee slash self-made sober or Facebook, there's a group uh, self-made and sober. Uh, those are the best ways to uh, reach out Instagram. I'm on all the platforms, probably not as often as I should, but you know, I, I find that if I hop on them, then I uh, lose focus on actually getting work done and you can get so lost in them. So I try to 
try to be very deliberate with my time and limit the social media, but you know, responses, I, I love replying to messages, answering questions. I love uh, being of service and helping others. Very cool. Well, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll point people to your podcast. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.